Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is a bonus pod, and we have a very special guest. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, um, was uh, kind enough to join me. And uh, and welcome uh, to the program, Providence Bruins head coach Ryan Mujanel. And We had a really fun uh, conversation with Ryan tonight, and I uh, can't thank uh, him enough for his time. Very busy day for him. Training camp started in the AHL. So he's been busy doing that, and um, lots of things are going on as the hockey season, the NHL and AHL hockey seasons, are approaching quickly. So um, thank you to the Providence Bruins um, PR staff. They've been very, very good with working us with us with uh, interviews and so on. Um, but uh, it was a real, it was really cool to to get to interview Ryan uh, for the first time on this program. I've had several conversations with him last season uh, via Zoom from the Providence Bruins press box. And uh, he's just been, he's just one of those coaches that, you know, just tells you how it is and, and gives you a really honest opinion about certain things and certain challenges and so on. And it was really cool to, to hear him talk about uh, his path uh, to, you know, becoming a, a, uh, an American hockey league head coach for the first time last season as a rookie, but also we dived into a little bit about his playing career and so on and kind of who inspired him to, to be a coach, you know, I mean, coaching is not for everybody, but obviously if you want to stay in the game after you retire, you know, you, you do whatever you can to, uh, to still be a part of the bench and, and, um, and, and be a positive voice and with, with, um, you know, prospects and so on as, as they t- continue to develop and, and rise up through the, uh, the levels to the, to the NHL. Um, 
but it was a lot of fun and 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 we can't thank like i said i, I can't thank uh, um everybody that was involved in this enough um to get this interview but um with that being said, let's get right to the interview with Ryan Mujanel, the head coach of the uh, Providence Bruins. Um, and he was with Kevin O'Keefe and I, and get right to that. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. As we mentioned uh, to start the program, we do have a very special guest to kick off the 22-23 hockey season. And uh, we are pleased to have uh, Ryan Mujanel. He's the head coach of the Providence Bruins joining us today. And uh, he's uh, about to enter his second year as head coach uh, in the AHL. And uh, Ryan, welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. And thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Mark. Um, how was your summer? I mean, I, I always got to ask about everything that's going on because I know you've been extremely busy, whether it be development camp for the week and, and, and all I've heard is that you've been grinding it away in the office this, this off season. <laughs> Have you had a chance to at least uh, go on vacation with the family at all? Yeah. Don't, don't let the secret out. I actually had an, uh, unbelievable summer. I, I spend the majority of my summer uh, up north in Canada and uh, get to visit uh, my family up there. we got a place in uh, northern Ontario. So it's my little spot that uh, me, and the, me and my family look forward to getting to every year. But um, again, it's one of those things. It's, it's great to kind of get away from, you know, the season and kind of reflect and, you know, things you did well, things you got to improve on and, you know, touch base with some of those those. Uh, you know, those relationships that you kind of neglect during the season. So uh, for me, I'm not going to lie. It was a, it was a real good off season. Ryan, you, you uh, had a really good junior career in the OHL and grinded it out in the minor pros. Uh, so what was all that experience that you went through as a player? What gravitated you to be a, a head coach? What, I mean, who, who might've ins inspired you to, to be in this role? Well, well, I think Mark, it, that's a that's a great question. I think that all of us have different paths, and and all of us have different relationships with the game. And I think, you know, it took me a while while I was in the game to really understand how much I I loved it and how much of a part of it it was for me. And and sometimes you got to take a step kind of away from the game to realize um, how much you, it means to you. And that that's kind of what happened with me. And um, I had amazing. The one thing with me in my career, I, I feel very fortunate to have. I've just had like amazing coaches and people and teammates um, and, you know, really have had amazing relationships uh, through the game. And and not to say that I don't have re like great relationships with other people outside of the game, but, you know, some of the closest people in my life are, are people I've gone through, through the game with and, and grown uh, in the game with. So um, I'm a big believer in that. I think, you know, how you coach, um, how you come to the rink every day is, is a little bit of the reflection of, you know, the relationships and, and your experiences in the past, you know, one, you know, one major influence on me was, was a coach I had in junior and Jeff Ward, that was an assistant here with the Bruins who really was my first coach probably, uh, that I had in junior that, you know, really taught me kind of the, the details of the game and, and how to play the game and, and, you know, to enjoy the game. And I think he was a, a huge influence in me that way. And, you know, I've had, I've had just such like amazing people, uh, Larry Robinson, you know, I got to learn from him and Todd McCullen and in San Jose. And, um, you know, those guys kind of forged my later identity, I think with the game, which, um, you know, just, just special people and people that have played for them or 
they'll 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 say the same thing. So I think that's uh, a real was a real important part of my growth as a coach. Uh, my questions are all geared more towards everything that's going on now. So if you have more questions that you have for him on I, what we're already on, then that's perfect. <laughs> I will do. Um, Ryan, talk about your rookie season. You finally broke through the AHL and and, and now you're a bench boss. Um, and you really grinded it away in the, in the, uh, in the ECHL for several years. And I was listening to a podcast not long ago. I think it was early September, a Cam and Strick podcast. Um, and they're, they're a St. Louis blues centric um, but they they were interviewing Jared Bednar. And when I heard that interview, it immediately gravitated me to ask this question about you guys have really gone through similar paths, like going through the coast and so on. But what, what really got me was what Jerry was saying about how much of a commitment head coaches have to do down in those levels. Like you're a head coach. You're the manager. And you're also like the secretary and, and, and the janitor. And you, you all have several hats to wear down there. How, what, like how the sacrifices through that, like through, you know, continuing to be the best at what you do as a head coach, but also wearing all those hats and, and the sacrifices you make with family. And it, because it's basically a seven day a week job. Yeah, it's funny. Betsy's, Betsy's, uh, you know, one of those those relationships that I have in the game. Um, you know, it's funny that you bring his name up, but it's great to see a guy like that get rewarded this year. And and he he really has grinded. We were, you know, Betsy and I were on the rules committee in the ECHL back in the day and real sharp guy. I, I think the one thing, Mark, I, I never looked at it as a sacrifice. For me, it was an opportunity to learn and I think the one thing that I'm very thankful for, especially in the ECHL, was um, it really taught me how to time manage, um, to prioritize, uh, to deal with relationships. You know, you're dealing with agents and front office and community and and all those things that are so important um, that go into it. And, and then recruiting is another big part of it and salary cap, immigration, all those things that help oh, yeah. diversify you, I think, as a coach. And and for me, I needed that. I, you know, I was coming out of playing and, you know, pretty green to it all. And, you know, I got the opportunity to, to go through it with a real close friend and, and Matt Thomas, who's who's now uh, here with me in Providence. And and Matt is, if you know, if you ever get the opportunity to talk to Matt, he's as sharp as anybody I've ever come across and a great presenter and super organized. And he said, hey, man, this is what you're going to do. And and, um, you know, I, I learned by, you know, trial by fire. And, you know, I'm sure there were some hiccups along the way. I'm sure if you interviewed him, he, <laughs> he, might, he might throw me under the bus. But um, um, I think then you get the opportunity to coach uh, in the American League and you're coaching. And, you know, for me, it was real important to, to really build relationships with players. I I I just felt uh, at the time and it was a long time ago how important that was because. I just knew, you know, coaches that had taken the time with me um, really had an impact on me and how I played. And I just it's just something that was in the fabric of me where I know this is important. And and um, when I got to the American League, I really spent a lot of time, you know, growing defensemen. That was, you know, my sole mission was um, to get deep better, get them ready for the NHL, um, kind of take away um things in their game that wasn't necessary and focus on what's important and what translates from, you know, the American league to the NHL. And I think 
for me, I got a real good grasp of that. And then, um, you know, I, I had great influences, you know, to get me to that point and Brian Marchman and Larry Robinson. And, and um, I, I think Jay Woodcroft's another one. I, I think that those times in the East coast league made me recognize how important managing time is. And I think, I think it's a real good lesson I give to my, my players too, is like, you know, managing your time when you're at the rink is, is so important, especially in the American Hockey League. Yeah. And uh, let, let's talk about your first year last year uh, with Providence um, as a, a head coach. You were with the uh, uh, pro, the AHL club, the top minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins, uh, for a few years before that as an assistant, uh, primarily under a, a great guy like Jay Leach. Uh, just a class act that guy is. I'm trying to say because I, I believe that Providence had a really – decent season because they always trend to uh, not have a very good start because of the influx on the roster and, and, you know, with injuries up at the NHL too, but Providence really trends to get better right around late December. And they really make that push for the, for a call to cup playoff spot. Unfortunately, last year towards the end of the season, man, that you guys got injured really bad. And, and I hate to say this, but it almost seemed like that was pretty much, one of the big concerns why it was a one and done called the cup playoff first round. So when thinking about all that experience, your first time behind the, uh, the bench of an AHL club, what are the challenges you're bringing into this year with, with Trent Richfield and Matt Thomas, and, you know, and everybody else on the staff? Um, obviously the goal is to win and develop, but um, you know, what are your challenges that you, you're thinking about the upcoming year? Yeah, Mark, I, you know, it's funny. You look back and you reflect on the year and there, there were, you know, the growth of the team was was phenomenal. I think we mirrored a lot of um, the Bruins uh, kind of path. You know, I, I I really think that the Bruins last year really grew into a, a really special team. They Their growth as a team was, was huge. If you look from, you know, there were times in September and I watched the Bruins play. I was like, oh, man. And I watched us play. I was like, oh, man, like, you know, we we got to, you know, put our work boots on here and and you know get these guys playing the right way and and it took time we had some new guys into the system and same with same with the big bruins right but i think um the bruins have done a fantastic job of recognizing you know quality kids that put the time in and and kids that love hockey and and you know you get you get uh prospects um you know that that people don't see that every day so um for me i do i live it they live it um and the growth was phenomenal i think for us last year it was a little bit tough uh in regards to the schedule we you know we not to not to make excuses but we played half of our schedule in the last eight weeks of the season and and when you play that much um injuries can be catastrophic and we had some pretty catastrophic injuries um and just couldn't get our footings uh, underneath us. There's just so many games coming at us playing three and threes. Uh, we're just, it was just tough. And I think uh, for me and looking back with, with Jamie Langenburner and Evan gold, my two GMs that do a, you know, they do a fantastic job down there. We, you know, we recognize we probably got to manage our roster a little bit differently in regards to workload. Um, I hate saying it, but it's the truth in the American league. If you have fresh bodies, they got to go in. Um, and that's something we probably, looking back on probably should have done a better job with those three and threes, but um, you know, it, it was a great learning experience for me in that, in that regard. And, 
And um, I think, you know, the one thing kind of looking back is um, as an assistant coach and Sweens had said it to me, you know, I was big on, you know, those relationships and, you know, those day-to-day kind of when you're a head coach, you know, you don't get those touches every day with guys. And, and uh, you know, I didn't think it would, it would be a part of me as a head coach, but, you know, there's times there's guys you, you don't talk to every day. And, and uh, you know, for me and our staff, we recognize that we just got to do, you know, a better job of daily communication with the guys. There's a lot of guys coming in, coming out, and and all those relationships are so important. All right, Kevin, you got to get in here now. <laughs> yeah, I think we're about at the timeline where I can get in with some questions. Um, so you talked about how you like your players to be using their time wisely and kind of always have something uh, be happening towards their professional lives. Um, and we were talking with Matthew Poitra, uh, not too long ago. And one guy that actually stuck out to him during camp was, uh, Mark McLaughlin. And one of the things he had to say about him was that he was such a good professional in a way that every single thing he did was with a purpose. Now, where do you see Mark McLaughlin fitting into the organization for this upcoming season? Well, isn't that something that, uh, it's twofold for me, you know, that, Matthew recognized that. So that says a lot about the type of player and person that he is, that he can recognize, you know, somebody that's his peer, that's a little bit older. And then, you know, what does it say about Mark? And, you know, obviously talking to the kid, you know, Kevin, Mark McLaughlin is a, is a leader. He's just, uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, in our line of work, they learn to lead. They're around great leaders. And I think, you know, this is a guy that came in and right away, I was like, man, like this kid could be, the captain here, you know, so I, I see Mark being a guy that's, you know, he, he's got to take it day by day. He's still got things to learn uh, in the American league, but um, he's a Bruin. He, he plays the right way. He's inside. He's hard. Um, his quality of time at the rink is exactly what Matthew said is everything has a purpose. Um, he's inquisitive, which I love. You know, he, he asks a lot of questions. He's playing the wall right now. He's playing on the wing and, Hasn't played a lot of wing in, in his career. And if you had asked me that in the beginning of rookie camp, I would think, he'd, you know, he's kind of a natural uh, winger. He, he, he did such a good job on the wall. And, you know, he's a guy that's had a taste of the NHL. And he's, you know, he's rubbed shoulders with Patrice and Marshy. You know, people have no idea what kind of that effect that has on, on young players. But, you know, we had, we had Marshy on a Zoom just talk to our prospects and, you know, the impact it even had on me and, and as a coach, and I just, he just kind of blew me away with, you know, not just his work ethic, but, you know, his inquisitiveness too. Like when I was your guy's age, I used to come to Boston to see where I was against other guys. And then I, you know, go back home and know if I had to pick up my training or what, you know, all those things that, you know, when I was his age, I wasn't, I wasn't doing. So I, I just think, you know, Mark's one of those guys. He's a sponge. He's going to be, he's going to have a good long career. Um, What he's going to be at the next level, that's up to Mark. I I see a guy that can, you know, get in on the four check, get inside, win some puck battles. And you saw the other night, he, you know, he scored two greasy goals and and that's how he's got to do it. And he's not, he's not shy. He's got courage. He goes to the paint. Um, Yeah. The future is bright for Mark. That's for sure. Agreed. 
one player that I'm really intrigued about that really blew me away at uh, development camp, and you were on the ice and got to see this gentleman, uh, signed out of the WHL, uh, I believe, with the Spokane Chiefs, yeah. and that's Luke Toporowski. And I, I and um, he even brought his game to a higher level during the Prospects Challenge, really, really stuck out then there. Um, how are you excited about having uh, a 20 year old, one year old kid like him inserted in your lineup for the next two years? Well, it's, it's funny. I talked to, I talked to Luke in the summer and we had a real candid conversation. I talked about being on an American league contract and, and sometimes when you're on an American league contract, especially coming out of junior expectations are a little bit different, right? you you come in on an NHL contract you know, the expectation is that you're going to push for an NHL job right out of the gate. And, you know, as we know, there's very few that that can make that jump uh, out of college or out of junior. And you need time to to mature in the American League. And and um, he's all about getting better. And he I thought he arguably was probably one of the best players uh, in all of the in all of the tournament. Um I'm very excited about uh, Luke. I know Trent Whitfield's very excited about Luke. He's played for his uh, alma mater there in Spokane. So we were calling him Whitfield Jr. the other day. Uh, <laughs> you know, Witter's not a man of a ton of words. So uh, if Witter comes in my office right away and says he likes a player, that's a pretty good compliment. So um, we're very excited about getting uh, Luke on board. I think he's one of those guys that um, can turn that American League deal into an NHL deal. And, you know, mature and and marinate in the american league and and be where his feet are i think that's uh one big thing with luke i think you know he he comes from a pedigree i played against uh his dad and his uncle and oh, um he gets a son of a bitch <laughs> yeah he he gets it right like he's he's been around the game he understands and and uh it's obvious you know we had a day off the other day he came in and you know got a little sweat on and did a roll and you know, he's he's already ahead of the curve for most kids, especially coming out of junior. So speaking of kids needing to mature a bit in the AHL, um, there's been a lot of hype around Fabian LaSalle, where he should play. Should he be at the NHL level? If you ask a lot of Bruins fans, they totally believe so. But I'm more in the idea that he does need time in the AHL before being able to make that jump. So I'm not asking you to tell us where he's going to be, but let's say if he were to be in, in uh, Providence, where do you see a player like Fabian LaSalle being able to slot in to the lineup? Well, obviously you see Fabian's skill set. It's, it's um, you know, he's been playing with his peers and uh, there's been flashes of it in the exhibition games. Um, he's obviously a very talented player. Um, and it, it, he's really where the game's kind of trending. Um uh, putting limitations on a player, whether the NHL or the American League, uh, is kind of tough. Uh, that's not that's way above my pay grade. Uh, yep. And uh, the guys above me are really good at understanding, you know, guys that need time. Um, if he does, if he does come to the American Hockey League, he's he's a guy that's going to play in your top six. Obviously, uh, I'd like to see him on the PK as well as the power play. I, I'm a big believer; it teaches you both sides of uh, how to play. I think it, it rounds out your game um, and it teaches you to value different things. You know, like, you know, we have a young player in Georgie Merkulov and I was talking to him about how, you know, if I went to Russia and I dumped in a, in a puck and I went in on the forecheck and tried to murder a guy through the boards, everybody probably look at me a little bit differently. You know, he's been raised yeah. 
uh, he's been raised differently where they value different things. And I just think, you know, a guy like Fabian, a guy like Merkulov, who, you know, have been celebrated for their offense. Sometimes it's a good thing to teach them, you know, the other side, you know, you look at, you look at Marshy, look at, you know, Patrice, two guys that are actually fantastic penalty killers, um, you know, that, that it's, it's growing into their game. I think it, I think that's helped their, you know, how good they are on the power play to see, you know, what PKs do. So I think, I think for Fabian, it's, it's, you know, just being a student of the game and, and this kid is a fantastic kid. He's uh, he loves hockey. He's full of life. He's uh, he's got a great demeanor. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm fortunate enough to, you know, to see him every day and in, in Providence, uh, I'll be, I'll be thankful for that. That's for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for that. Great. Uh, Ryan, I've been covering the Providence Bruins for some years now. And, and one player that I've noticed, um, you know, it, when, when the uh, affiliation with Atlanta and the ECHL was still around, a player uh, like Una Campana just doesn't get talked enough, in my opinion, for like, a, a, you know, the bottom uh, 12, uh, you know, a, a roster spot, even on the fourth line and so on. But when he went down to Atlanta and I watched the uh, those games down there, he really worked his ass off to get back up to the A, like almost like I don't want to be back down. I don't want to be here. But then when he came back, it was full bore like he just took off from there. And I just don't think that he gets spoken enough about. So could you like give us a little bit about uh, Yuna's um, um, character and his work ethic? Because he's, to me, he's the typical type of guy that, I mean, the Bruins are looking for, for those, um, those, uh, those grinding bigger body type of players. Well, Mark, you must have a, you must have a real keen eye because um, that's exactly how I feel about Kopi. Um, you know, Yanni is uh He's a really special kid. He's he's quiet. He's done everything we've ever asked of him. And and when I first came, I I'll, I'll be as transparent as I can. I I didn't think he stood a chance. To be honest, he was a lot heavier then. We wanted him to get bigger. He put on weight, um, and it just didn't suit his frame. He was he was big and slow. And you know, I I was telling Matty Thomas a story the other day, and he couldn't believe that you know Kopi was slow, and. He is, without a doubt, somebody that should be pushing for a job. And I know, um, talking to Joe Sacco, I know how well they think of him on the penalty killer. I think, you know, as an organizational depth, I think he's maybe in the top four penalty killers in our organization. And uh, I think they see the value in him. Uh, he's he's a player that's growth has been off the chart. I thought last year he just took a huge step. Um him beat him, uh, Braz, Brazo, and um, Eddie Trailmax. Um, they were never, they were never a minus, uh, all year, their whole line. So, um, that speaks volumes of you know the type of player that Kopi is. He's he's somebody I relied on a ton in the uh, in the American Hockey League. Uh, as for demeanor, uh, Kopi is, um, a, a, he's a <laughs> He's a little, he's got some fin in him where he's a little bit quiet, but when you get him going, he's, he's, uh, he's full of life and always the hardest worker, kind of the unassuming guy, but he's, he's taking notes. He's observant. Um, his work ethic is off the charts and it, and it shows in his game, right? Like you don't, you don't have growth in your game if you're somebody that, you know, uh, doesn't put the time in. I think he's a guy I always say like, 
if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, he's just, I would love to see him in the NHL. I, I think he's, I think he can, I think he can be there. Um, but that's kind of up to Kopi and everybody else, I guess. But uh, I'm rooting for him. That's for sure. Uh, so I have one last question for you and it has a bit to do with Providence and uh, the NHL level, but with so many opportunities available due to injury at the NHL level, um, are there any players in Providence that you see that may have a chance to make that jump to fill those spots in your opinion? Yeah, I think, I think right now it's an open book. There's a, there's a, there's guys with NHL experience like uh, Latiri who, you know, could quite easily fill in for one of those top six guys. He's, he's as skilled as anybody up there. And, you know, it's had some opportunities. Um, um, as far as some of our guys, obviously, you know, the Steeners, the Stanikas, all those guys, you know, are are going to push real hard and, and you know, have an opportunity to, to earn that spot. Yanni Kopanen is exactly what Mark said. He's, he's a guy that can definitely push for, you know, a fourth-line job. He, he covers a lot of ice. He gets his stick on a lot of pucks. He's, he's – you know, as tenacious on the four check, he's not going to murder somebody through the boards, but he's going to turn the puck over. That's for sure. And, and create anxiety uh, on the D um, with all the injuries. I think the guys see it as that as, as an amazing opportunity. And, and, you know, there's even guys that we have that, you know, I was talking to Monty the other day and, and Justin Brazo's name came up. He was really impressed with Braz and, and how big of a frame and how physical he can be on the puck and doesn't lose puck battles. So, um, again, it's about opportunity and, and the guys, uh, I think they, they, you know, there's blood in the water for jobs up there. And, um, the one thing the Bruins don't do is we don't discriminate. So if you can come up and, and play a role, um, you know, there's, there's value in that. So, um, there's, there's a plethora of guys. I'd like to see some of those guys take that next step too. you know, um, Steiner's, uh, Steiner had probably at one time I, I thought was the best player in the American Hockey League, went up, played really, really well as, you know, and he's trying to find his feet again. I thought he looked really good the other night. Um, so uh, it's tough in the small window with a couple of games, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as coaches, sometimes we can be a little bit overcritical of guys, but again, it's only two games. I think some of these guys, the, the more they play, the, the longer viewing they get, um, you know, the more endearing they are to the coaching staff. I know, I know with studs and I know with uh, Yanni Kopanen, um, those are two guys, the more, more they play, the more uh, coaches uh, get endeared to them. Absolutely. Uh, quick, quick follow-up question, actually, since we're talking about these players, uh, Johnny Beecher, how have you felt about him so far? Yeah, Beach has, Beach has done a fantastic job. You know, um, he came to us last year at the end of the school year and it's, it's all, and we were, we were pretty decimated with, with injuries, he played a lot of minutes for us. And it's funny, his coach in college, who uh, I coached uh, in the East Coast League, we were talking, and he's like, Moose, you're, you're playing him way too much. He hasn't he hasn't played that much, you know. And and we sat down, we talked about it, me and Beach, and I think the one thing with Beach is, is he's going to be a better pro than he was in college. Um, finding different ways to score uh, is something we need to build into him. Um, he obviously skates um, – on another level. I'm a big fan of the kid, the person. I think, you know, there's like one of those guys, Kevin, like I talked about, like relationship with the game. I think he's going to really enjoy the pro game and not that he didn't enjoy college, but he was in a different role there. He was pretty, um, 
you know, it was pretty rigid of what his role was. You know, he's a penalty mm-hmm. killer, uh, third line guy. And I think a guy like that, um, a lot of the time now we're building that into players as opposed to when I when I played, we we wanted to get more uh, more defense out of us. But he's 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 got a lot of attributes that are going to make him a good pro. Um, I think he's played really well um, at times. I think there's, you know, I sent him a text the other day that, you know, between me and Johnny and, and, you know, he's really receptive to coaching and he's got a great mentor there. And Chris Kelly, I think Kells is a guy that would be amazing for, for a guy like um, beach, um, you know, to go through some bodies, value your stick, play the right way, uh, get your nose over the puck in the faceoff circle, win those, you know, he's a right-handed shot that can penalty kill and win some face-offs. And I keep saying it. I, I said it to Chris Wagner the other day. If if you can win face-offs on the penalty kill uh, as a right-handed shot and alleviate some of the stress that, you know, Bergie goes through during the season and, and keep him fresh, you know, there, there's tons of value in that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what the stat is, but it's got to be about four or five extra minutes uh, a night. So go work, go earn those extra four or five minutes. Who knows what that can turn into. So um, beach is uh, another guy, fantastic kid. They've done a real good job with identifying, you know, the character of the kid. And uh, again, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Um, he's somebody that, you know, his game's going to keep growing. I think. Yeah. I awesome. talked to, I talked to Johnny um, on Saturday after the Philly game and his two goal effort. And uh, I, I just wanted to touch on some of the things that you know, his transition from college to the American Hockey League last season uh, when he was done with uh, Michigan and then, you know, coming into the NHL, um, you know, picture per se in, in the uh, in this training camp. And and he had a lot of really good things to say about you and staff down there that you guys are all, you know, players, coach and so on. Is somebody that they can really connect with and, and, and you know, um, take the tutelage and not you know, sulk about it or anything like that. But it's it's important for pros like that to get the and a young pro uh, to to learn all that stuff before really solidifying a spot in the in the National Hockey League. Yeah, he's again. We forget how young some of these guys are at times, and and some of the best teachers are are their peers, right? Like we we're so fortunate. We've had you know Paul Carey. I don't know how much time you spent with Paul Carey, but. You know, he's, he's as class act as they come. And, and then we've got, you know, Didier, who is, you know, not only a quality of player, but just like the quality of person. And these guys don't let these guys off the hook. And that's why we value them so much. You know, you know, truth be told, they do a lot of my work for me. And, and it's, it's kind of nice having, you know, such quality veterans around. And, you know, I've been, (laughs) me, Leachie will tell you too, we feel very lucky uh, that, you know, the Bruins have done such a good job of, of keeping guys like that around and they're not easy. They're not easy to find. And, and um, you know, we're very fortunate for some of the influences that they've had on the Johnny Beechers. And, you know, I, I think Johnny, I think Johnny too, like, I think he's, he's getting excited about playing pro hockey and, and um, you know, building a lot of different kind of components into his game, probably things he's never hasn't heard for a while. And, you know, I saw him on the flank the other night on the power play and, and I said to Kells after the game, I go, I don't, he probably hasn't played the flank in a long time. And he looked, he looked actually in a really comfortable, which uh, is something to be said about uh, Johnny. So we're, we're excited about where we're going with Johnny. We're taking it day by day and, you know, just building different things into his game. Um, as the goalie guy on, on the program, 
Um, you have uh, Francois Brassard, uh, Brandon Bussey, Kyle Kaiser, and veteran Keith Kincaid all in camp right now. Um, and it, it, if I had to guess, it would be Keith Kincaid and, and Kyle Kaiser at the most. But uh, I, w- I have been impressed with uh, Brandon Bussey and, and um, you know, in development camp and and um, and some of the action he got in the prospects challenge. But um, Keith Kincaid's, uh, um, you know, addition to this lineup and 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 being a mentor to a guy like Kyle Kaiser, who is who I believe still has a lot to give and. It's been kind of unfortunate with him in the past couple of years with injuries and so on. But what is it like to have a, a veteran like that in the in the room, much like how how Troy Grosnick was last season? Well, it, it's it's funny, Mark. I I don't know Keith all that well. I I didn't get a lot of touches with him in in uh, training camp. And the the one thing too is I've learned uh, as a being in the American league is sometimes those guys really don't want to talk to me all that much. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't take it personally, but um, I, I obviously was really close with Troy Grosnick. Uh, you know, I was with him when he was a young, you know, a young fella in uh, San Jose and, and I'm a big fan of Troy. Um, you know, one of the things I had said to management when we brought Troy in is, is he's had great goalie goalie great partners around him and he's going to be awesome for Kyle and I think he really taught Kyle a lot of things there's things in Kyle's game that you know he's maturing and he's still a young guy he came into the league at a, at a you know he was a young he's a young fella and that, that's a tough position um, to be in as a goalie in the American Hockey League you know there's an influx of D coming and going and the travel and everything else and I think you know there were there were stretches where Kyle was was lights out there was times when he struggled and and, you know, part of the American League is learning how to struggle. And uh, I, I just, you know, I see him in camp now. I just see a much more mature, confident kid. And, and I think this year he's going to get pushed by Bus. You know, the one thing that Bussy's done is he's wins. And yeah. um, like goalie coach Bob said uh, in our exit meeting with Bussy's, he said, Mooj loves goalies that win. And I don't know if I've ever said that to him, but I guess he just assumed uh, that's how it goes. So, uh, whatever motivates, assumption. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, pretty good assumption. Yeah. So, you know, we've got great goalie coaches and, and uh, Mike Dunham, who's just got the best personality uh, for, for goalies. And the one thing, you know, whether you're an older goalie or a veteran in our league or a young guy, um, you get time with Dunny and Dunny, all he's done is just made goalies better. Oh man. What, what he did with Dan Vladar when he was, when he sprained when he had that high ankle sprain in Lavelle. And then the next two months after that, all I heard was um, Dunham and, and Asenzo working with um, Vladar as he was uh, rehabbing lots of video. Like you, Vladar is a big guy. You don't have to move that much to be a big goalie. And once, once he got back on the ice, a shutout. I mean, it was just like – and then it went from there that he was pretty much the um, – when you look at numbers-wise, he was pretty much the best goaltender in the league with the goals against and the save percentage. Uh, the wins loss was uh, kind of uh, suffered because of the injury and so on. But what those two have done lately have really turned around the franchise when it comes to developing goaltenders. And and it's, it's a really welcome thing to see because – I, I think if if a guy like Dunham was around uh, a few years ago when Mike when uh, Malcolm Subban was around, I think yeah. we would have gotten the best out of Malcolm as well. Well, it's it's funny, and I 
Mark, I'm not like uh, I heard Mike. I heard Mike Babcock on a podcast, and he was talking about, you know, you got to be an expert in every position. And uh, listen, goaltenders like goalie Bob talked to Bussy the other day. I had no idea what he was talking about. You know, we I divert all everything to uh, to Dunny, and I think you know a testament of those guys is like it's their personality. Like it's it comes through in their goalies, like. Vlad was a real special kid that was willing to change. Um, and it's not easy to hear sometimes, but you know, the way it was delivered to, to Vlad from Dunny and, and then you put it to the work and it, and it works. So guys, guys trust him. He's, he's good at what he does. And, and I agree. I, it's funny you bring up Malcolm Subban because I, another goalie guy I'm real close with is uh, Nabokov in, in San Jose. And, I remember him talking about him. He's like, I just want to get my hands on this guy, you know? And, and that's uh, uh, funny. I think, I think Dunny uh, does a fantastic job. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, uh, we, we've taken up a, uh, too much of your time as it is. And we just want to thank you very much for joining the black and gold hockey podcast. And obviously want to um, congratulate you on your first year uh, behind the bench and, and um, you know, uh, well wishes to you and staff and the organization moving forward to the 22, 23 uh, American Hockey League season, and uh, and I, I know we're going to be doing Zoom again this year, and I'm not I'm not too thrilled about interviews. I, I like Zooming with you and so on, but it's just we don't have access anymore down to near the locker room to really interact with yourself and staff and, and some of the players. So hopefully another year we'll we'll get. Yeah, Mark, let me this. let me let me uh, get on that. I can yell at somebody. Boy, I, I like <laughs> you a lot, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Ryan, thank right. you again so much. Hey, really anytime, guys. It. All the best. All Cheers. Right, take Thanks, care. Ryan. Cheers. All the best. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Mm-hmm.